0: Hello, everybody. This is Barbara Aaron True, and you are listening to my holiday show. I'm very excited I can do it this year. Last year, it was a big bust because we couldn't find the time. And now, here we are, and I have a caller. And on this show, anything goes. You can just read a story. We're just going to read stories about holidays and talk and it's going to be fun so if you're listening just call in and we have a caller who is our caller hello oh
1: hi can you hear me
0: yes i can
1: okay this is just this is dana alt and i was a guest a while back and i just thought i'd poke my nose in for a minute and say hi and um merry christmas
0: Oh, thank you, Dana. That's wonderful. Do you have a story to read to us? <laughs>
1: I don't. I've been working on uh my next book and the intro to that. So uh, my project has been kind of it's kind of open ended right now. But um so I guess I'm not really here to contribute except to say Merry Christmas.
0: Oh, well, you could read anything, absolutely anything that has to do with the holiday. Do you have nothing that you have for the holiday? <laughs> I am
1: so totally unprepared with anything for the holidays. <laughs>
0: well, you could call back in and, and you know, reconnect because, um, you know, the, the people can call in at any time during the show. So I'm so glad you right. called in. And was was a wonderful guest of mine. And we learned so much about her. And I thought you were writing something for the holidays.
1: Um, I am not. I'm presently preparing um, a book that I've been working on for three years and um, three plus years. And it's just gone out for the last time today to readers. And um, we're we're getting grant money together and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm kind of wrapped up in that right now.
0: Oh, that's great! I have a book that um, I, I've been trying to finish, and it's it's like on its last two chapters. You know that feeling? And it's a book that's in yes. a series with it has two other books. So I'm trying to wrap it up, and as I keep wrapping up each story, I keep realizing I have to keep adding chapters.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: You know, the same thing has happened to me, and a lot of it's been because I'm um, interviewing this gentleman um, for his story, and um, I'm writing his story and his words, and every time I talk to him, he gives me something else, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, now I have to add another chapter.
0: <laughs> oh, this is, these are, these are characters that have been with me for two, two books, two, almost three books now. Mm -hmm. And they've each had their own, like, role in the last book. They've each had at least one or two chapters. And some have had four, five, maybe, you know, a lot. And so I have to wrap up this story. And it's just, you know, complicated, really complicated to figure out. (laughs) where each person goes and what's happening and and their lives have changed so much since the beginning of the books and just you know the main the two main characters are are the ones that I'm concentrating on but they have peripheral people and they're just as important you know you can't just leave anything untied so I'm tying oh, yes, up everything tying
1: up those- Right, tying up the loose ends and not leaving everybody saying, and, and so what happened to this character, and why did you never tell me about this part? That's that is really um, a huge part of writing is
0: making yeah. sure that yeah, so that's what yeah, yeah that's what I'm doing, doing now, and um, so I'm I'm on the last two chapters and I've been on the last two chapters for about six months. Plus, each time I think wow. I'm going to end it, <laughs> this pops up. And then another yes. thing pops up that I have to, you know, take care of. And, it, and, and they're always talking to me, so, that, you know, it's, it's, always, it's yes. always characters in my head telling me what to do.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I do have something um, having to do with Christmas that I can share. Oh great! Um, that's and,
0: wonderful
1: yeah, and this is um i hope this isn't considered like a big advertisement it's just i'm working um i also work with um April Cox who has self publishing made simple it's a a school basically you can 12 anything
0: program. on this on this show that's okay. given you joy
1: <laughs> well i i It it was a wonderful program for learning to um, self-publish. She's got, I think, the best program out there. But um, I'm working on a catalog for her for this year using some of my old graphic design magazine skills. And one of the fun parts of this has been not just kind of reliving the last, um, year with her and all of the books that she has helped people put out there's been over a hundred books that they've put out this year but um, there are some adorable Christmas books children's Christmas books that if somebody is um, I'm going to mention if, if people want to grab their their pen and paper and make a couple of lists there are some adorable books that um, for Christmas that, her writers have created this year. One of the funniest ones is called "I Saw Santa's
0: Underpants." Oh, and you have to it, read that one. Do you have it? it?
1: Well, I don't. I don't. I just want to give the information. You can get it on Kindle or Amazon, or I'm sure Barnes and Noble. A lot of different places that you can get it online. But and and a lot of these I read Kindle. You know. But um, I would just, I wanted to mention these books in case you want to just look at them. I have Kindle Unlimited, so I read them for free, you know. But, yeah, I, um, I do.
0: I have, yeah.
1: Yeah, this one is by Bobby Hinman. And last name is H-I-N-M-A-N, Bobby Hinman. And she is just, um, she's a beautiful writer and has some really excellent books out. So she is highly recommended. Um, she has a book on self-publishing, also that's very good. And then um, uh, the next one is um, it's actually two. I think she has three books out on on Christmas, and her, the the author is Rachel Hills, H I L Z, and she has the Candy Cane Fiasco, Santa's Lost Reindeer, and Santa's Lost Sleigh, and those are cute. Funny little show, little uh, books. The the um, artwork on all of those are just fantastic. So, I guess I that would be my Christmas suggestion. Grab those books; they're for children, but read them and just get a little laugh, a little giggle, and a little
0: Christmas joy. Okay, well, it isn't a story, but it's you know it's about Christmas books. And so I will read something to you that I put on Facebook this yesterday but um it happened actually 5 years ago and um it's written in third person <laughs> But it, it was not a third-person experience, so I'll just say that. Miracle on 8th Avenue. They had come into New York City to see an exhibition and view the Christmas lights. It had been a while since they had been there at Christmas time. Part of the reason was the crowds, and the other was their schedules never seemed to fit at this time of year. So it seemed a great idea to see this unusual exhibition of the sets and artifacts of a favorite TV show on display. With tickets and parking planned ahead of time, the trip looked like a fun and exciting experience. The exhibition was amazing, and she delighted in the very real depictions of the rooms of an English estate in the early 20th century. Her favorite were the costumes displayed for each character. They explored all three floors of the exhibit and decided afterward to walk toward Rockefeller Center. Though brisk, the walk was fun, and finally they arrived at the sparkling lights of the place where they all wanted to visit, and all were there. Crowds of people surrounded the enormous, brightly lit tree that was so large it could be seen for blocks. They took lots of photos and so did the others, as everyone wanted to show they had visited this phenomenon. They decided to move closer to Fifth Avenue, where the Saks Fifth Avenue windows, especially glorious this year, were another tourist attraction, but the light display on the, bu- on the building held the attention of the crowd, and suddenly they were surrounded by a sea of people on 49th Street. Stuck in the middle of the street due to an ambulance and police, the crowds milled around and finally, aside from the occasional movement by a desperate parent with a child in tow or in a carriage, they stood there. There was nowhere to go and the time dragged on as people watching became a game. And it was as silent as could be expected with thousands of people on a narrow street. Police tried very hard to get traffic going, but people were standing in the middle of a city street in almost freezing temperatures. Most were hungry, tired, and unable to move. Finally, they were moving, and not in the direction they wanted, which was across the street to see the windows. No, they were swept along across 49th Street onto the sidewalk of 5th Avenue. So they decided to find the restaurant they always used as their go-to in New York City, Junior's. As they walked toward the place, she pictured the corned beef and pastrami sandwich she would order when they got there. Arriving at Junior's, it too was packed with people. After all, it is right in the middle of the theater district. It seemed they would not be eating there, but at least they got their name on the list and decided they could survive the hour wait. This iconic restaurant had started in Brooklyn, her birthplace. She had many memories of happy moments within it there. Now she remembered the last time they had been to this one after the theater. She and her daughters were okay. the wonderful musical they had seen. At least they were seated, and she had the, at last they were seated, and she had the dreamed of sandwich, dividing it with her daughter, who could eat so much, and they took home most of her other daughter's plate of roast beef, ordering dessert to go, Junior's famous cheesecake, they decided to walk the ten blocks back to the car. It seemed like a good idea at first, but the wind was coming from the north, and it bit into them as They walked. One daughter forged ahead, and she tried to keep up with her new knee, only a year old, and her body not in great shape anymore. Soon she was lagging behind, and her daughters, too intent on getting to the car, which was now only seven blocks away, were walking faster and faster. They passed a firehouse, and the trucks were about to leave as they were crossing its path. A bell sounded, and she had to run something she had never done on that leg before. Congratulating herself on being able to run, she took her attention off of the uneven sidewalk. She was wearing boots that were not that great to be walking in, and so her feet were beginning to get tired. So she didn't notice and tripped on it, falling on her knees and face right onto a subway grating. At first she lay there wondering if anyone would notice her. No one could have heard her, anyway, since her mouth was on the grating. Oh, no, she screamed in her head. I fell on my new knee. Then she noticed blood and realized somewhere she was bleeding. At that moment, her daughters came rushing up to her, and seeing her lying there on a New York street and with no response from her, they panicked. As they decided what to do, a woman came up to her and urged her to stay down and told them to call 911 for an ambulance. Finally, able to sit up, she did, and sat there on the cold concrete and subway grating. A few people started gathering around in a semicircle around her. She had become a small attraction, and they each asked if she was okay. How could anyone be okay with blood on her mouth and worry about her knee? But they stayed as if they were friends and worried about her wheelchair. Her daughters were contrite and disturbed and kept apologizing as if it were their fault instead of her own for tripping. But the crowd remained, and one woman stayed as if she were orchestrating it. Finally, a family with two large men who asked if she needed help and grabbed her under the arms, pulling her to a standing position. She was very happy to see she could stand and had no real pain in her knee, but somehow she couldn't talk very well. One of her daughters gave her a napkin, and she pulled it away with blood from her mouth. Nothing seemed to be broken, but there was worry about her nevertheless. The family who had helped her stayed until the ambulance showed, and when it seemed the ambulance attendants could do nothing except give her an ice pack, they left. The family and the woman continued to remain until she assured everyone she was okay. She thanked all of them for helping her. She linked arms with her daughter while holding the ice pack to her lips, not knowing how awful they looked. And she and her daughters walked at the same pace until they got to the parking garage. They drove home and she found, after a very quick trip to the emergency room, her knee was fine after an x-ray and her head was also in good shape after a CAT scan. Her lip was so swollen she looked like a duck, but she walked out into the frozen air and breathed a sigh of relief. She went home and enjoyed the amazing cheesecake, grateful for the sweet and creamy pastry that reminded her so much of her childhood. She felt sure that somehow she had been saved by a miracle, for it was Hanukkah, and maybe her guardian angel had been there. Or could it have been her late husband looking out for her, as he had always done? But miracles can never be dissected. So she accepted this gift as she inspected her new jeans that had somehow escaped being torn and smiled.
1: That's End an story.
0: awesome story. I love that. <laughs> and that, of course, is about me. <laughs> me. <laughs> really?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise!
0: <laughs> that really happened. That really, really happened. Oh my goodness! And we have someone on the other line. Let's see who this is. Hello. Hi.
3: Uh, yes. Hi. My name is Matthew E. O'Neill. I'm an author on Amazon Kindle in 13 different countries.
0: Have you Have you been on my show?
3: No, no, I'm just browsing on Blog Talk Radio, and it states that your show is about books and entertainment. Is that correct? Right,
0: yes, and uh, Tales from the Pages. Well, if you haven't been on my show, you should be on my show, Matthew. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah, I am the I am the former top-rated editor and writer for Everapedia Incorporated. Everapedia is a cryptocurrency and internet encyclopedia set. It rivals Wikipedia, except Everpedia has videos. Okay. I also I translated that into Amazon.com in 13 different countries, including Australia, Germany, and Spain.
0: Oh well, well, oh, usually, yeah. Um, I I I interview authors on my show, and um, if you're interested, send me an e- an email with all of your details. Are we friends on Facebook?
3: No, no. What is your, what is your Facebook ID?
0: Uh, I'm Barbara Arantrew. There's no other okay. Barbara Arentrue in this world, I don't think. But and, it's but, yeah. Barbara Arantrew. Yeah, I'm also author bar- Barbara yeah, um, of Barbara Andrew. Yeah, both of us. What's your email address? Uh, what is your uh, email address, please? Well, it, I would rather not give it out on, on um the radio, so if you want to contact me, contact me by message, and I will give it to you then. Okay?
3: Okay, it sounds good.
0: Great, and do you have a Christmas story, Matthew?
3: Well, basically, I covered boxing and MMA for Everpedia Incorporated, and the books that I created on Amazon involve boxing. I think that boxing is a sport that's great especially for inner city or people in the cities. And it's good because it's gambled on and the fighters are paying a lot of money for it. And I think it's a way to uplift their lives. It's one of the only sports for city people to uplift their lives. And believe it or not, the world's richest athlete in the history of modern athletics is a boxer. Okay. So do you
0: have a holiday story of some kind? I don't have any, any
3: general story. I just wanted to relay that to the audience. Some of the info, I wanted to tell them, that, you know, an important fact. Made with Mayweather Jr. is the world's richest athlete. He made more money than Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and he's a pro boxer. So the sport came Oh, okay. He's actually, actually the highest paid athlete ever. He's made more money than Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, or any other athlete. So this huge money in boxing is gambled on. I cover that sport. Again, my name is Matthew E. O'Neill, O apostrophe N-E-I-L. It's a okay. sport to be violent and abusive, and it can be violent and abusive. It's also lucrative, and the fighters aren't compensated and paid a lot of money. So it's, st- it's not it's some, something, something that's taken seriously. And the pro boxing is probably one of the only sports for inner city people to actually make a lot of money. And it's a great opportunity oh, a- for people. You know, that is great it's really
0: great that's the point yeah that's, yeah, wonderful so you you contact me on um on Facebook, I'll give you my email then, and then um you know you can come on the show we'll we'll talk, we'll find out more about you, and it'll be fun i think January is filled up, but try. We'll try for February. If, if not, we'll see. Um, spots fill up because I only do once-month shows, so we'll see. Thank you for no, calling you. in, Matthew. And thank you, you want to, Michael? Okay, Michael. Thank you for calling in, Michael. And um, yeah, you can hang around and and talk with our guest. This is Dana Alt. Dana. Hello.
3: Hi, yes. Yeah, my name is, actually, actually, my name is Matthew, Matthew E. O'Neill, O apostrophe N.
0: what yes, I thought it was. You said Michael. Then right. I, then I, okay, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: People talk about Wikipedia all the time, and Wikipedia is one of the biggest platforms. People love Wikipedia, but a lot of people don't know that Everipedia, E-V-E-R-I-P-E-D-I-A, is vastly superior to Wikipedia because we have video capabilities in an enhanced reference section, we have videos in our articles, something that Wikipedia does not have. But we have more articles than Wikipedia has. And everywhere PD is in different countries. I'm the former top rated editor for that company. I have the most edits of all time. And I was published in 13 countries. I cover a oh, wide variety of subjects. and like current affairs, government, politics, <laughs> Not just boxing. I covered boxing for Pop Rank, Don King Productions. That's great. But I also That's covered great. over a thousand articles. So to the listeners out there that want to learn, it's great for children, and people of all ages. It's a great learning tool. It's called Everpedia. So I think. Okay, it's great well, it's wonderful. To look at it. And for the holiday season, for those that want to that are celebrating Hanukkah, and other religions as well. Christmas is coming up, but the U.S. has a large Jewish population as well, and so we have Hanukkah coming up and Passover,
0: and of course Christmas. So, yeah, know, Hanukkah is happening now. It's right. Hanukkah. This is this is the fifth night of Hanukkah. Right. So, right. so yeah, it's happening now. That, you know, yeah. So yes, yes, so to
3: our listeners out there, you know, I I kind of came on the show on on short notice. So I don't, I don't have too much more to say, but I just wanted to Oh, well, that's know fine. MIT, I wanted people to know about the company Everpedia Incorporated.
0: Okay, well, that's Wikipedia good. Well, I'm glad you Ever- came on. Well, thank you. For having yeah, I I, okay. I invite yeah, I invite all my past guests to come on. But um you know, listeners are welcome to always call in, and yes, I'm, I'm glad you did. Yeah, again, I like to be better
3: prepared. I like to be better prepared <laughs> so we can have a, a longer conversation.
0: Well, but. usually what I do is um, I ask you a bio and a photo, and you know, I I learn more about you. I I ask you questions, and you know, from your bio. And so that that helps people understand more about you and Dana was on she you know we talked a lot about her life
1: <laughs> we did, didn't we? <laughs> we did we had a
0: wonderful talk about your life and and yep. um and I think uh listeners enjoy that they like learning more about authors' lives and how authors write, and uh, and and writers too enjoy that learning how how another writer writes. I mean, that's I always I, enjoy that.
1: I think the funnest thing for me has been connecting with Brian. Um, he and I have been been chatting back and forth about his uh, writing ideas, and um, he's just been delightful to uh, Brian. To Brian
0: Van Clark. Brian Van Clark is uh-huh. one of my favorite people. He said he may not be he was supposed to come on today but um he feels he had root canal so he doesn't think he can come right. on. Yeah,
1: I I saw that. I saw that. But that, that that has been a real fun connection and I I think it's um I think the networking in the um in the author world is so important. Um, you know, because it's a very solitary job. Writing is something that you do in your little office with, you know, maybe a little music going and, and that's all. And um, But I've found that when I take my work and I put it before my author community and they begin to help me
3: see, mm-hmm. you know,
1: places that I need work on it and that kind of thing, I find that it. It grows and really becomes something special in community. And uh, yes, so,
0: it does. Yeah, I so mean, I, w- I brought exciting. I brought my my second book in the series to. Um, I'm a member of Greenwich Pen Women, and I'm a member uh-huh. of the Letters Group, and we have a critique there. And so, yeah, I remember you, you bring your you bring your chapters there, and people tell you you know they really they give very deep critiques, you know yes. and yeah. uh, and I think that that's very important that um you get people who are really serious about writing to look at your work, and you have to exactly. be able to accept what they say sometimes it's kind of you know. It hurts you because you, you know, you don't want to think about it. You might have thought about it, but you thought, no, 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 that's not right. And then when somebody else says it, and I always go by if more than one person says it. If one person says it, it's just their opinion, but if two or three people say it, then I, you know, I think that that, yeah. that maybe I need to change it.
1: Right. You know, that's the beauty of using, like, beta readers, Um, because then, um, you know, I I keep a chart and all the comments and things that have come in from my beta readers, and they have had some just amazing input that has reshaped this book that I'm working on, Even, even things like moving chapters around so that um, it flows better and, and that yeah, kind of thing. I think and think those ideas yeah. came from my beta readers.
0: Well, I don't put my books out for beta readers until they're finished. And right. <laughs> at this moment, right, this book right, right. is not finished. I actually use beta readers for all of my books. Very helpful. Yes. Very yes, helpful. Yes, they really
1: are. They really are. I thought mine was finished, and then it went out to beta readers, and they had such good input and um uh you know that, and of course, this book is probably going to be self published, so um you know all of that input from those pre readers, those first readers is um is really helpful as I move forward, so,
0: yeah, well, I think uh, yeah. I think readers give you you know the idea of where your story is going because you want it to be acceptable to readers. You want readers to want to read it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And if you've got really perceptive beta readers who know what they're doing, um, they can pinpoint those places where you might need to work on it. Right. It doesn't doesn't matter how good of a writer we are. We still need editors, we still need um, others to look at our work before we put it out there for the world to see. I'm a right. firm believer in that. I've been editing for years, and I still value the input of other authors.
0: Absolutely. So, I have another story. This one is kind of long, but it is in it's, it's. I wrote it to believe it or not to a prompt, and I, I just it went. I went crazy actually. I I, I thought, what if? And you know the what ifs, what they can do to you. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> dangerous. <laughs> so this what if really got me. It really, really got me, and i i I thought, what if we took a Dr. Seuss' story and made it into a poem and changed it and, 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 and let me see if I can find it now because it's it's hard, but in the meantime. I will just say anybody who is listening is welcome to come on the show. And, and, and while, um,
1: while you're looking for that, I'm going to pop off and listen. Um, I'm assuming I can listen to it on the station. Well, I um, couldn't. I can, off
0: I, I like can just read a small one before you leave. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. It's called The Magic okay. of I'll Christmas.
0: The magic of Christmas is inside of you, no matter your religion or race. It's the smile in the eyes of a stranger as you pass on the street. It's the joy of a child as they see a Santa Claus, the laugh as they realize he might be real. It is not in the mercantile gifts that are displayed or the decorations placed around to show the season. It is in the hearts of anyone who wishes to make another happy and who truly wants peace in the world. You don't need a gift to feel its magic, only the bliss of knowing you have made another happy with your thoughts. And though you may get gifts, it is the expression on the face of the ones who give them to you that are your gifts. For in the giving is the true magic you will feel. And in your words, going out to the world is the essence of what Christmas is about. We are the ambassadors of Christmas, and we must shower its splendor everywhere we go. Like the snow showers that glisten down at this time, our love should glimmer onto each one we meet. So I'm bringing these snowflakes of Christmas pleasure to all who read these words and hope that they land and cause a glow to spread as they see the the sprouts of true joy in anyone who happens to encounter them.
1: That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Thank you. What a send-off.
0: You're welcome. (laughs) And I'm I'm going to read that story when I find it, but this was just for you before you left.
1: Oh, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners. I just hope you all have a wonderful um, holiday season, and everyone be safe. You
0: too, Dana. Thank you for calling in, and, um, you you know, I hope someone else will call in, but if they don't, I have enough to keep us busy here. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. All
1: right. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Okay, you take care. Bye-bye. Happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you you for calling in. And that was Dana Alt. She was on the show way back in August, I think. And it's wonderful that she called in. Really wonderful. So please, somebody else call in so I'm not totally alone here. Um, Usually I have a great many people, but I know that Everybody is busy, and so just call in anybody and I am going to look for this story that I wrote and um just looking and just one hoping that you two hear here's a fun thing while I'm looking drowning in Christmas movies. I drowned myself in Christmas movies to blot out the noise of the inevitable talking heads blabbing on and on about what is somehow a foregone conclusion, though not the majority's rule. This was written in 2016. So everyone knows what this is talking about. And I feel that somehow we have been sucked into the vortex of another world and we are in a dream state much like Alice who wandered into a world that was seriously unbalanced and had to fit into this mixed up society. This version is wilder and actually crazier than the one she met, for this one is real and our world is playing for keeps, but the one who is leading is very much like the Red Queen and shouts off with his head to the masses, eagerly awaiting his vomited tweets that concentrate on nothing while behind the scenes his band of cohorts systematically scheme to unravel all that makes us great. So I cover myself with blankets and watch as fictional characters attempt to control their lives as they ignore the one true love that is practically staring them in the face. And there is Christmas music and decorations and the world is all hot chocolates and peppermint sticks. But I can believe that this is all that is happening and though it is lazy and certainly damaging to ignore what is occurring around me, Somehow believing in magic and the possibility of love conquering all seems right at this time of year. For in my heart that has been so damaged. I believe that maybe if we all believe in a better outcome it will all come true. Then the world will be like the timeless snow globe, awash in the joys of renewal and faith. And we will have overcome the blue meanies from yellow submarine who have taken over our country and plan to leech the color from every part of our life for their own gains. But in Christmas movies, it's all good. So I settle down and pull the covers over my eyes. Morning will come, and it will be all, will be over. And that was written in 2016. And so we're still looking for this I know where it is. It's all the way on the back, on the bottom of this file thing. But anyway, um, here we go. We're looking backward. That's better. (laughs) Anyway, please call in anybody who can. If you're listening, please call in. It would be wonderful if you did. And we had another person talking other than me and that would be wonderful and so i am looking for this story that i always read on christmas and i hope everybody is having a good day and that you aren't sick um we're all in this terrible situation again where we're worried we're going to get sick and it's the flu and I've had my flu shot and it's COVID and I've had my all my my boosters for COVID It's still I don't know if I'm crazy but I'm wearing a mask inside the supermarket and I'm wearing a mask any place I go where I don't know people and here it is it's called If Genghis Khan Visits Whoville. I think it's Christmas-related, Christmas-adjacent, because it's about Cindy Lou Who. Whoville meets Genghis Khan It was spring in Whoville, and Cindy Lou Who couldn't sit still. Spring had arrived with its buds and flowers, and the festivities would start within a few hours. The square was all ready and clean for the gigantic circular spring-a-thon scene. Every man, woman, and child who was ready to dance, Who was ready to dance. As you know, every Who wants to dance every chance. And then the moment they waited for arrived, but Cindy Lou, whose shoe came untied, she was the last to come to the square, so she ran to the place as fast as the air. Circling around with all of her friends, Cindy Lou understood that all things have ends. The Christmas disaster with old Mr. Grinch had shown everyone life wasn't such a cinch. Now there were spies watching the town, thinking of what made Cindy Lou frown of that made Cindy Lou friend. Her place had been open and friendly to all, everyone here always having a ball. Now they had to watch every day for someone who might do foul play. But then in the middle of all the fun, a sound arrived sounding a lot like a dun. And then the duns came faster and faster. The dancers' faces turned a light alabaster. Was the Grinch coming back to hurt them once more? Hadn't they all finally settled that score? No, this was a different, growlier sound. And soon Cindy felt the thumps on the ground. Big thumpety thumps like who's had never heard. They all looked at each other and didn't say a word. For suddenly, out of the corner of her eye, Cindy Lou saw a figure that touched the sky. Looking up to see the gi- this giant thing, she thought she might. She thought he might be some kind of a king, but Cindy Lou didn't who didn't have any fear, for she had confronted one just as tall, one who was wanting to make Hooville crawl. No, she saw a man. That was all that he was, though dressed in all furs and very full of fuzz. He had hair down his back, on his arms, and his legs. And his teeth looked like big, sharpened-down pegs. "'Who might you be?' asked uh, Cindy Lou Who. The man looked at Lindel, little Cindy and said, "'Who are you?' "'I am the great Genghis Khan, and I have conquered all I see. "'Who are you to be talking to me?' Cindy Lou Who never budged and looked into his eyes. "'Cindy Lou Who, and I don't like surprise. "'Why are you here in our little town? "'And are you a king? You don't wear a crown.'" Then this big behemoth moved towards Cindy Lou, who she stood where she was. She had nothing to do. But the who's all around her saw Cindy in need and circled circled her with all of their speed. Each who took a hand and circled her to surround. And soon there were who circles for Cindy to keep. You couldn't even count them. They covered her so deep. If you tried to count them, you would be there all night. And then all of the whos let out their sound. The one that had bothered the Grinch and he had frowned. And the sound was so loud and the sound was so wrong. It wasn't at all like the usual song. It was a get out of town sound. We don't like your kind. Another place you should definitely find. Just leave us alone and get out of our place. We don't ever want to see your face. So Mr. Kahn turned around. He had nowhere to go. Let's get out of here. This is not our show. We have better places to be. This place is not ours. We need a place where everyone cowers. He moved out of town and took his people with him. His face was set. His mouth was grim. He had conquered all of Europe and Asia, but not this place. You have to know when you aren't going to win the race. On to new lands, my comrades in arms. We will find another town to succumb to my charms. And when he had moved out of their sight, the Hoos breathed a sigh and saw it was night. They all came together in a giant ring. And what did they do? All the Hoos began to sing. And Cindy Lou who saved the day for the second time. She smiled as the bells began to chime. Whoville was safe and she was the reason... Now they could all celebrate the season. And that was, I guess, holiday adjacent. It was about spring. But anyway, I did find my my poem about Christmas. I read a few poems about Christmas. And I don't know if I have any more Christmas poems or Hanukkah poems to read. Um... Please, if you're listening, call in, (laughs) because this is your show, guys, and I don't see anybody here. So um, come on into the chat room. Come on into the room and see if you can talk. I would love you to call in and see if you can talk. Um, This is all I can say is we have very few people here right now. Um, Anyway, um, when you are on a show like this, you want people to call in. (laughs) Um, calling in would be great, and so, um, pop over and call in. Meanwhile, um, let me just talk about a few things. One is how wonderful it's been doing this show all year, and how amazing it's been that, um, I've been able to interview so many people and it's it's great. Um, I think that um, having this format is wonderful because sometimes people are sick of Zoom and radio is good because you can listen to it at any time. And um, like I said, I... I usually have guests, but it doesn't seem like I do now. So I'm just going to wing it and try and read a few more poems. But um, it would be wonderful if someone would call in and see, you know, read their th- holiday story. Um, I'm talking to Delaney, who might who might be able to, to come in and... Um, a few other people. Um, Anyway, let me read something from my latest... I'll read the book, the one that I... I I introduced this into the um, Winter Diaries contest, but it's about snow and... Snow is all around us on these holidays, so it's called Snow Thoughts. I anticipate the snow, soft flakes glittering in the the lamplight, spreading a white blanket over cars and sprinkling the grass. I conjure the varied shapes and sizes on my face and coat. Their whispered presence of visit from winter, leaving a token of itself on me. Snow has always been a wonder to me. I've watched at the mere thought of it, waiting at windows and pushing aside blinds to check. Imagine snow days remain in my head. Sorry, to check, even though it no longer affects my life in the same way. Imagine snow days remain in my head as ghosts of the past life. Written in my brain as impressions from song, strong handwriting appearing in the sheets of my present, and that was no thoughts and Now I will read you one more this doesn't have anything to do with the holiday, but it's holiday adjacent because um, <laughs> there's a story behind it, so I'll, I'll tell you this story. I was going to go to college, and I went to my friend's house, and they had an apartment, and in those days, people had... Parties in their rooms because parents didn't want to to dirty up the living room. So she was out of high school, but she still had to have a party in her room. So she had a party going on in her room. Um, This was my friend's sister, Joanne. And she had a party going on in her room. And so... um, I was with my friends, and we were not really, I had not really worn much makeup because we were going to go to the movies and by ourselves with girls. We weren't, really weren't going out. So I wasn't really dressed up, and um, my, my, my friend's sister invited us to go and say hi to the people in her room so she opened the door and there were these three guys standing there. One was my husband-to-be. The other was his friend Mike. And third was his friend. And they all were staring at us. And my friend Roberta was with me. She had the most gorgeous natural red hair. And so Roberta's hair caught my husband to be his eye and he yelled out oh I love redheads that's what he yelled out he yelled out with all three of us standing there and my friend is there and he says I love redheads not high not anything just I love redheads so immediately I hated this guy And never wanted to see him again. Okay, cut to my freshman year in high school, the couple of weeks before Christmas vacation. And I realized that I wouldn't have a date for New Year's Eve and I was a freshman in in college and I really needed to go out for New Year's. I couldn't stay home with my parents. That would be awful. So I asked Linda my friend and she asked her sister and her sister said oh I showed you a picture to hell now I have this graduation picture and and he saw it and he fell in love with my picture (laughs) and he wanted to go out with me so I got a date from her to go out with him. Okay. And then I also asked my cousin because I didn't know if I would get a date or not. So I asked my cousin and he got me a date with his roommate from Harvard. And I, I you know, didn't say no. Even though I knew I was supposed to be going out on New Year's Eve with this other guy, so comes Christmas vacation, he calls me, and we decide he's really charming on the phone, really charming, and I think okay, maybe maybe he's okay, and so we decide to go out the like the week before. New Year's Eve that Monday or Tuesday I don't remember what day it was but it was it was like three or four days before New Year's so I go out and we went to the theater on the corner the Austin Theater I have a poem about it in my book and um, it was a really interesting experience <laughs> and I really liked him I mean, he, he he was so sweet, and uh, anyway, um, I should read you that poem, because what the hell, nobody's here, so I might as well just read you that poem that's in my book, and if anybody's interested in it, it's, you'll probably forget me living with and without Hal. And it's, it's, um, where is the rest of it? So, okay, so it's, dedica- it's dedicated to, so here it is, our first meeting, it's called. And it's the first poem in the book, Our First Meeting. And you have to remember, the book was published in 2016. And so it was 54 years ago then, but it's five, it's six years later. So it's 60 years ago <laughs> No, Okay. The week after Christmas, 54 years ago, we met in Kew Gardens where I lived, barely a college student, in my black stretch pants and zippered sweater. Only 17 and weary of the brash boy who had charmed me on the phone. You appeared, smelling of old spice, a wild wind of a man, and we walked to the Austin Theater past the pocket park, its benches usually filled with ogling neighborhood residents, toward the neon lights to see Ingmar Bergman's wild strawberries, a first date, and you, the essence of a gentleman, slipping easily between brash boyishness and extreme care for me. As first date drifted to second and third, suddenly I knew you, this cavalier charmer, would be more to me someday, as if the message had been conveyed by angelic carolers. But I chose a callow Harvard boy for New Year's Eve, though this choice caused a hole in my heart when I heard of the pain you had suffered without me from my deceit, and your words on onion skin sheets wooed me from afar. I waited until we were wed to disclose the truth of that night, and you jumped ahead of the pack of fruitless, unconnected college boy dates the one who felt right for me, whose humor brought me to tears and who I wanted to spend my whole life exploring. And I knew that we were an ocean apart. Eventually, you would be my one. And this book is pretty much um, a... memory uh, it's 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 a dedication to my husband and what happened is I'll continue that story what happened was we went out and it was you know a nice date it was fun we went to Howard Johnson's and then crawled back into the back of someone's station wagon and um, he was just so wonderful to me and then we went out a second time in the city and he was wonderful to me then and then we went out a third time in the city too and that night i told him that i had to babysit for my brother my brother who was only six at the time and he understood he was really nice about it and he said that he was going overseas, maybe, and could he get my address and write to me? And he didn't even kiss me, not even on the cheek, just hugged, I think, and and um, took my address, and we wrote to each other for three years, three years. And then when he came home, he came home and he came home early and I wrote a screenplay and it was called The Kiss about that experience. And I have time. I can read my play. Um, so it was... It was um, the summer and I was working for a magazine, purchasing magazine. And it was um, a, you know, it was, it was a, A job that I I was supposed to be like permanently in and they thought I was permanently there but then that day I told I told them the day before that I was not going to be there and I was going back to school. It was my senior year and I was fired <laughs> I was fired they They fired me early. They said, "Oh, you can't stay here for the rest of the summer. You've got to go so I was fired, and I went home, and I was really upset and this is the depiction this one first prize at indie gathering for a short screenplay, an honorable mention for dialogue for a short screenplay in um, action on film. So here goes, I'm going to read the screenplay. (laughs) Think of it like as a cold reading or whatever. Superimposed over the scene, Queens, New York, summer, 1964. Exterior, Kew Gardens, apartment, day. People are on their terraces trying to stay cool. Interior of the apartment, bedroom day, scene one. Barbara, a young woman, 20 years of age, is sleeping on the bed. She is dressed in underwear. The phone rings. Hello? This is Barbara. How? Hello? Hello? Barbara? Who is this? Don't you know who this is? It's me, the big E. We've been writing to each other for three years. Barbara. Oh, it's Hal. Now fully awake. Are you here? I thought you were coming next week. Why are you home early? Hal. I got out early. He pauses. I really want to see you tonight. I've been thinking about you for a long time. Can I come over? I want to tell you so many things, please. Barbara moves around the room, twisting the long phone cord. Um, I guess you can, how? By the way, why are you home in the middle of the afternoon, if I can ask you? I didn't figure, I'd get you now, but I took a chance. Barbara. Well, I did have a job at this magazine, but this morning my boss just realized I wasn't going to stay after September, and she fired me. I was miserable and came home on the subway hot and sticky. So the minute I got in the house, I took a shower, and I was sleeping when you called. Hell. Oh, sorry I woke you, but that was good for me, right? Don't worry about your job. Think of it as an early vacation. Barbara laughing. I guess you're right. I suppose you can come over. Do you remember my address? Hal. I think I do, but give it to me again. Barbara gives her address to him. I can't wait to see you. I have so much to talk about with you, Barbara. Sure, I want to see you too. Come at 7.30. See you then, Hal. Definitely. I will see you tonight, Barbara. Races to the bathroom and immediately puts her hair in rollers throws on her bathrobe and then runs next door to her neighbor, Annette. Interior apartment next door day. Barbara walks next door and rings bell. Annette, mutual friend of Barbara and Helen, Barbara's mother, a woman in her mid to late 30s in casual clothes, black hair up, opens the door. Barbara, what are you doing here? I thought you were working. Barbara, oh my God, he called me and he's coming tonight. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. I didn't think he would be coming us so soon. I don't know what to wear and what to do when he gets here. Should I kiss him or just hug him when he comes to the door? Annette, first of all, sit down and calm down for a few minutes. And calm down a little. Also, who is he? Barbara, don't think I can when he called I was sleeping and that's because I lost my job today he you know how this guy I've been writing to for three years so of course he calls today that stupid bitch boss of mine found out I was going back to school and just fired me I had barely gotten ready for the day and she called me into her office and told me it was my last day comes into the apartment and sits for a minute then starts pacing back and forth. So I had to ride the stupid subway, and then you know how that is, especially on a day like today. And so I came home and stripped and took a shower and washed my hair. But then he, when he called, I ran and put it in rollers. I'm a nervous wreck. I don't think I could eat or anything. Oh, and I have to go put on makeup and then tell mom he's coming over. Annette, again, calmed down and said... And we'll figure it all out. How do you feel about this guy? I think it's going to be depend on how you feel when you see him. It will all be natural if it's right. You'll know what to do. So don't think about that. Now, just tell Helen about him, and I'm sure she'll be fine about it all. Barbara sits at the dining room table. I mean, I wanted to day to come, and now it's here, and I'm just so, you know, not ready, Annette. I think I hear Helen coming home, so why don't you go back and tell her now? Barbara, getting up and moving toward the front door. You're right. I guess I should tell her. After all, he's coming over tonight, and you know how particular she is about the apartment when people come over. Annette walking to the door with arm around Barbara. You'll know what to do when you see him, so don't stress about it. Just have fun, and I hope your night goes well. Let me know what happened after he leaves if it's not too late because you know I want the best for you. Barbara kisses Annette on the cheek and hugs her and Annette hugs her back. Go tell Helen. Also, get something to eat. How much time do you have until he gets here? Barbara, he's coming at 7.30 tonight. Leaves apartment and goes back to her own. Opens the door with her key. Mom, are you home? Interior Barbara's apartment, early evening. Helen, a woman, early early 50s, with short-graying hair and business clothes. Helen, I'm in the kitchen. Where were you? Why are you running around with rollers in your hair and your bathrobe, Barbara? First of all, I came home early today because they got fired. They found that I wasn't going to stay past September. So they just let me go today. I had the worst subway ride of my life. Helen, okay, well, you knew that you weren't going to be in that job forever. You are planning to go back to school, right? Barbara, yes, but I wanted to at least work until I had to leave for school. Barbara sits down on one of the chairs around the Formica table in the kitchen. Um, yeah, so when I got home, all I could think was taking a shower, so I did. And then I just laid down on your bed because it's cooler in your room and fell asleep. But you'll never guess what happened. Barbara turned to her mother who has moved to the nearby bedroom and is sitting on the bed getting undressed. Do you remember that guy I was writing to, Hal? He was in the Army and he wrote me these letters and I, of course, wrote back, Helen, oh, yes, that boy who took you out and then instead of going out with him, you went out with that guy from Harvard? Barbara, yes, yes. He's back from overseas a week early. He wrote me he would be back next week, so I'm sleeping, and he calls me, and he wakes me. I didn't know who he was at first, and then we were talking, and he says he wants to see me. Helen, okay, so I guess that's good, but I did like that guy from Harvard, too. Barbara, mom, he was okay. You know, I went for a weekend at Harvard, but I haven't seen that guy again. I don't know, but I've always felt this thing about Hal. Anyway, he's coming over tonight in about an hour. Oh, thank God, someone! Hello, caller.
4: Yes, ma'am. How you doing?
0: Hi, who's this?
4: Pastor Don Jr. CEO. I'm calling from sunny Mesa, Arizona. I'm a first-time caller.
0: Okay, and what? Are you an um, an author or a writer or?
4: I actually am. When I seen the uh, the topic, uh, it says books and entertainment holiday show. I was like, I might as well call it in and one more book.
0: Well, you know what? If you're an author, do you have a book?
4: Yes, I do. It's called the Green well, Dragon Record Breaking Blueprint.
0: Well, that sounds great. And what was your name again? I got. I think you sent it too fast.
4: Pastor Don Jr. CEO.
0: Okay. Pastor Don Jr. CEO. What are you CEO of?
4: The Entertainment Worldwide Network and the 300 Elite Women Team members.
0: Okay. So you have a book and you're a radio host like me. Okay. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. That's wonderful forty
4: four years long time, so I know <laughs> forty four
0: wow, I've only done it twelve, so that's your you you've got a lot of years on me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. wonderful. I'll stop in the middle of my play and and let you read your story. You have a story.
4: I do, but it's not, I've said it so many times it's off the top of my head. Uh, when I was three months, I was carried into a radio station, uh, WKATZ in St. Louis, Missouri. I was supposed to be down there for 30 minutes, wind up staying for three hours, and here we are 44 years later, I'm still on the radio. So uh, I teach artists and entertainers about the politics. And the things that go on behind the scenes of the entertainment business so they can do positive business, have longevity for life.
0: Wow. So you you actually grew up in a radio station,
4: TV yes, station. around radio and TV, yes.
0: Your parents were radio I, people or TV people?
4: No, my father was. My mom was my mom. Was. Yes.
0: Well, wow, so they yeah, carried you uh, into the into
4: the. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was supposed to be down there, and I wound up staying. And they they were supposed to just I was supposed to be just walking through, but my father got a call, and I wound up staying for three hours. So it, I understand this entertainment business most more than most people.
0: How old were you First when thing? you got there?
4: Oh, I was three months old. I was an infant.
0: Oh, you were in a carriage. <laughs>
4: Yeah. You were in a, in, a, in a
0: baby seat.
4: Yeah. yeah my <laughs> father was one of the youngest know, program directors on St. Louis, so he uh, he started off the industry, and then as I got older, I started rapping and stuff, and then once I started rapping, I realized I can do more for artists, entertainers, behind the scenes than actually being in front of the camera.
0: Well, that's wonderful. So tell us a, a little bit um Let's see if you have a story for us. Do you
4: Do I you did. have a story?
0: Good. Let's hear yeah. it.
4: Well Let's um see. well the reason what taught me to write the Green Dragon Record Breaking Blueprint, uh I'm a business consultant by trade and I I would speak to at least ten to fifteen artists daily and I found myself at a point this was about in two thousand three when uh the internet was starting to get popular everybody was trying to figure out how can we convert this energy and our social media numbers into money and i i just kept talking to people four eight ten twelve hours and one day my buddy told me he was like man and you give out some great knowledge for free you need to get paid for your service and i didn't think about it like that i was just giving out information but then i realized there's a voice there it's hard to go get the business plan, get the right people to do what they need to do so your brand, business, product, or service can be out to millions of people. So I I wrote a step-by-step guide on how to take your record and make it an actual job. It's not just about the music sonically sounding nice. It's also about the business you put behind, it, having your copyrights, your royalties, your BMI, your publishing. So nobody can use your image and likeness for free. And you'd be surprised at how many artists are out there that don't know what's in my book.
0: Mm, that's true. Very true. Yeah, I mean, people, look, look what happened to Taylor Swift. Look yes. what happened to her. I mean, she's and she's pretty savvy now. Um, but she had to learn the hard way, really. And so, yes, do you have a, a holiday story for us, sir? I truly
4: do. Uh, I've been a pastor for 44 years and I, I've traveled all around. And, uh, I think it was about two Christmases ago, so, I had a member hit me on Facebook and they happened to be in my city. And it was the first time anything like that happened. And what it, I always get nostalgic around the time because it brings me back to where I was. I was actually in Florida. I'm in Mesa, Arizona now and I constantly travel a lot. So it, it was good to talk to somebody like I'm talking to you now. If two days from now you hit me and say, hey, I'm in Mesa, and it's like, wow, here you are. It was just <laughs> We are real people.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. So tell us your story or read us your story.
4: My, my story comes from firsthand knowledge uh, of being on hundreds and thousands of radio shows like this. You don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I, Absolutely I
2: right.
4: You <laughs> You don't know who you're going to talk to, how you're going to meet them. Somebody might say something. You might need to Google it. But if you don't write it down, you can't be it when you really need it. So I, I just, I said, God, lead me. And then he told me, he said, well, you know a lot of people. You live in 30 out of 50 states. Why don't you call the people you know and let them know you're trying to do something to change the world? And that's when I came up with the Winning Team Global Connections Tour. The purpose of this tour, we're going to the top 22 markets, highest crime, highest violence, no media coverage. And we're going to purchase 22 abandoned buildings. And when we purchase these buildings, we're going to hire the people that's actually on site to come and work So the people that's actually in the communities that don't have an opportunity to get to their major people, we're going to bring in major-name artists to these small cities and make a huge impact. So uh, I've been on the 365 Days of Radio campaign for the last seven years, but I understand they're in that. While we're having this show, there's ten thousand other shows going. And when we get off this show, it's going to be recorded on BlogTalkRadio.com. You go to the archives. Anything you miss, you press rewind, and you can Google it, and you can get all the information right there. Oh,
0: okay. All right. So, tell us. Read us your story. Or are you
4: tell your story well in my, my my story isn't necessarily a biography and my my book is it's entertainment industry secrets give it out for free I can tell you a background uh I worked with uh, diesel Haddon, Barack Obama uh lenny Williams um a lot of major artists and the one thing that's always been a constant that new art with that majors, because they don't know how to speak together and the majors can't understand the problem the new artists has because they don't want to put it in the time so i come in in the middle i connect the dot so all these people up on this side of my voice if you listening you can visit my website you can find out more information about me uh that's pastor don junior I'm an open book. I've been doing it forty four years. There's no stupid questions. The more ask, the better chance I have to
0: explain. So you have no real holiday story. You have no real holiday story.
4: I do. I have a thousand holiday stories. Testimony. Well please and everything. please find I'm one my,
0: and I'd love to hear one. it. Okay. I'd love
4: to hear it. Okay. Well a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic hit, we was at a radio station, and the antenna went out. And if you know anything about terrestrial radio, when the antenna went out, nobody can hear you with the signal. So yes. instead of us having our, our Christmas dinner at home, my father was the program director, so we had to actually all pile up in the car, go out to the uh, <laughs> antenna, and sit and wait for him to fix it. And once he got it fixed, we got back to our Christmas. But... It showed me that the business never sleeps, the industry never sleeps, so you always have to be ready. And this year is is the opening. I call 2023 the year of Michael Jordan. I feel like we're going to be back. We're going to be stronger than ever. But if I don't go on these radio shows like yours and talk to people and find out what's going on, it's hard for me to bring resources
0: oh well that, 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 that's that's quite a story. Did, did you ever get your <laughs> christmas dinner?
4: Oh uh, yeah, it was cold, but I gotta heat up it.
0: cold <laughs> I mean, it, it, your mom couldn't, yeah, it was very She cold. couldn't warm it up
4: no we we was actually we was actually um we was in roanoke Virginia, and that where they had the station it wasn't Near a metropolis area, it was way on the stick. So they didn't have. It was a brand new station. It was just getting set up. So they didn't have all the board and the microwaves. So we pretty much worked it. But I mean, the experience is life changing. And I want to give anybody on the side of my voice the same opportunity. In the entertainment industry, you have to always be ready. You never know when you are gonna get that call. But when you get that call, you gotta show up and show out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've I've gotten some interesting calls on here, and some very strange things have happened on this show. But um, yeah, th- this is part of uh, books and entertainment is part is it's it's an um, a network. Okay, on Blog Talk Radio. Okay. So if you're interested, you have to contact the person who's in charge of the network, Delaney Oaks.
4: Delaney Oaks.
0: Okay, yep. Delaney. She's on o- Facebook. You can you can contact her there. And okay. we have a patron thing where people can can sponsor the, the show. The shows on here. We have about six or eight shows. We had more. But some people dropped off, and um,
4: right, that happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you but, make an omni you're gonna break some eggs.
0: But but we um, we I think that considering uh, I think listener base is not bad. Um, a lot of people listen in archives because they yes. can't hear it live. It's Especially at the, the wrong theme time. Mhm. Yeah. But other than that, I've been doing this show for twelve years twelve wow. years. April Robbins was the first person we had our our original name was Red River Radio, and we I love were you. you remember that? yeah, well, Red River Radio was going on for a long time, and then all of a sudden, a lawyer sent us an email saying that we had to cease and desist. <laughs> That there yep. was a network called Red River Radio, and that we were causing a problem with him because people were getting confused, and so we had mm. to change our name, or, or cease and desist, <laughs> and rather than <laughs> stop, on. yeah, no, we right. we changed our name to Books and Entertainment, and. That's maybe three years ago, I think. Maybe four? Amen. That's God. Yeah, I think it was three years ago. Yeah, we had to change our name to Books and Entertainment. So that's what we are now. And, Amen. Um, yeah. And that's what we do. We are primarily, we talk about authors, but I also speak to filmmakers. I okay. have a a good friend who's a filmmaker. Um, She's an up-and-coming filmmaker. And um, I've had filmmakers on here. I've had um, authors on here, all kinds of authors. And I am an author myself and a poet. I've had poets on here. Amen. That's very good. So we we do a lot of different things on my show, and uh, I have my chat for people who've been on the show on on Facebook.
2: Okay. And
0: um, it continues each time. People just keep. I keep adding people to it because
1: I once Amen. tried
0: to take someone out of it, and they didn't like that. So I just. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept alive. people in it, it. <laughs> and then, so they're they're in it, and um, it's good for me because I can see who I know uh, who's been on Amen. the show, and uh, I was supposed to have somebody who's a really good friend of the show, Brian Dean Clark, call in, but Brian okay. has had dental surgery today, and he's not in any oh, shape, wow. oh, and I'm that, that I know, I know. And that screenplay that I wrote, um, that I was reading, were you listening to my screenplay?
4: No, I didn't. When you open my, when, as soon as I call in, you open my line. I, I'm constantly get radio shows from my interns. They say, this show is available. It's where you need to be. And I go and I see what's what. If it's a lot of anarchy. I don't say nothing. I wasn't there. But if it's a good show, I'll open the mic and say, "Yeah, my name is Tasha Don Junior CEO. These are my three hundred winning team members, and the people that I text and tell them to come on, they all they open up, and the rest
0: is history.
4: So, I, I no, I, you, I was reading.
0: I was because I had time. I was reading from um, my award-winning screenplay called "The kids okay. and it, I, the reason that I'm reading about it is because it takes place during holiday time. Mm. In between that in between time, um, it 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 took place in my head actually, but really it takes place in the in the summer. But it's about a relationship that started during holiday time, so it's kind of adjacent anyway. (laughs) And so I'm reading about the night. That my um future husband came back from the army and I met him after he had been away for three years. And we'd been writing oh, to wow. each other. And so this is. is Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, we wrote for three years and then he came back and this is the night. If you're interested I'll just keep reading.
4: Oh yes, yeah, please. I I'll love it
0: Okay. So this is uh, the beginning. Was I, I had gotten fired from my job and um, and uh, I took I came home on the on the subway in New York. You know the subway, and it, this is in 1964. They didn't have air conditioning, and it was hot. And I came home immediately, took a shower, was miserable. I fell asleep and. Hal, he's my future husband, called and said he was home and he was home a week early. I was so surprised. I ran into my friend, Annette. She's about 30 there. I was a college student. And uh, I said, oh, you know, I I don't know what to do. And she said, oh, don't worry, you'll know what to do, you know, whether you should kiss him or not kiss him or whatever. And so um, my mother, came home from work too and so I'm speaking with her about going out with him. So I'm just telling her that he's coming over and this is her response. Helen says, okay, so I guess that's good but I did like that guy from Harvard too, Barbara. Mom, he was okay. You know, I went for a weekend at Harvard but I haven't seen that guy again. I don't know, but I've always felt this thing about Hal. Anyway, he's coming over tonight in about an hour, Helen. What? She goes to check the rest of the apartment, picks up a few stray items in the living room. How could you make a date without telling me? And we need to have something for dinner, walks back to the kitchen. Barbara, very nervous and squirming in her seat. I don't think I could eat anything. I have to put on my makeup and take out my t- my rollers and find something to wear. She gets up and goes to the bathroom and puts on her makeup while talking to her mother. Helen, you have to eat something, you know. Maybe could you eat a little chicken soup? I'll warm it up for you, Barbara. Well, okay, but I'm still getting ready. She finishes her makeup and then unrolls her hair. She brushes it into a flip. Then walks back to the kitchen and sits in the same seat. She picks up the spoon, soup spoon, and swallows a few sips of soup. I can't eat more. And anyway, I have to get dressed. What do you think I should wear? She gets up and goes into her bedroom, which is next to the bathroom and across from the kitchen. She looks into her closet and chooses an outfit of pants and a top. She walks into the hallway between kitchen and, and bathroom. How do I look? I mean, I haven't seen this guy in three years. I really don't know what to do when I see him. That's why I went over to Annette's house. What do you think I should do? Helen, well, I think you should go with how you feel. I think you'll know when you see him. Your father is coming home soon. Meanwhile, just please calm down. The front apartment door opens and a man comes through it. Barbara races to the door. Daddy, you're home. I'm so happy to see you. Sam hugs Barbara and comes into the rest of the apartment. Hey, what's going on? You're all made up and look like you're going out. Barbara, Daddy, I have so much to tell you. Some you're not going to like, but today I lost my job. Sam, why? Barbara, well, you know, I'm going back to school and the magazine found out, so they fired me today. Anyway, do you remember this guy, Hal, that I met three years ago? Sam. Honey, I'm not so sure I do. You go out with so many boys, I can't keep them straight. Tell me more about him. Goes to the cabinet and gets a bottle of pinch and a shot glass. He pours himself a shot and and holds it. Now, who is he? Finishes the shot glass. Ah, now I could think. Barbara, sorry, I forgot you never talk until you've had your traditional shot after work. She smiles. You remember this boy I went out with? I was supposed to be with his his date for New Year's, but I went out with that other boy from Harvard instead. Hal was in the Army, and we wrote to each other for three years. Do you remember now? Sam scratches his head and sits in a big easy chair in the living room. Maybe. Anyway, what does this have to do with tonight? He unfolds the newspaper sitting next to his chair and starts reading it. Helen, what's for dinner? He shouts from his chair. Barbara. Dad, this is what I want to tell you. This boy, whose name is Hal, I just told you about, is coming here tonight to see me. Sam. Oh, I hope it's after dinner. I'm starving. Helen, coming into the living room. Sam, I've got your dinner ready, so don't worry. She ate a bit anyway, so let's leave her alone a little. She gives him a hug and kiss on the cheek. Sam. He gets up from his chair, taking his paper, and moves into the kitchen. Okay, okay, I'm starving and I smell food. She sits in the chair on the other side of the table. The table is set for dinner and Helen serves him dinner. Barbara, walking in a circle in the small foyer between... Hold on. Between... Between the kitchen and the living room. I'm so, you know, I mean, I still don't know what I'll do when he gets here. Barbara, how do I look, Daddy? Twirls in a circle in the hallway so her father can see her. Sam, still eating. You look great, sweetheart. I'm sure he'll, li- he'll love how you look. Continues chewing. And if he doesn't, he doesn't deserve you. Barbara, oh, Daddy, you always say that. Goes and hugs him around the neck. Helen, let your father eat his dinner and go finish up, Barbara. Mom, I am finished, and I'm trying to calm down. Goes into her bedroom and sits on her bed, which pulls out from a sofa. bell rings. Barbara, I'll get it. Races to the door and opens it. On the other side of the door is a young man, slightly stocky, clean-shaven, with a smile on his face. Upon seeing him, Barbara hugs him and gives him a kiss on the cheek. Hal, hi, I'm so happy to see you, big smile on his face. Barbara, me too, also smiling. Hal, I have so much to tell you and we have to talk. They walk over to the sofa and sit down next to each other. Hal holds Barbara's hand and they start talking. Helen and Sam come in from the kitchen. Barbara, mom and dad, this is Hal, the boy I told you about. Hal, this is my mom and dad. Hal, standing and walking over to the two older adults. I'm so happy to meet you, Mr. and Mrs. Levine. He shakes Sam's hand and takes Helen's hand in his. Helen, we won't bother you. We'll be in the the bedroom if you need us. They leave the living room. How? Now, let me look at you. You look even better than I remembered. I want to show you so many things and take you places. He squeezes her hand. I mean, that is if you want that, Barbara. Well, it's great seeing you again after so long. I mean, this was the very worst day ever, so it's good you called me, Hal. I'm just glad you wanted to see me. I have missed you so much, Barbara. But we barely know each other, though we did right for all these years. Hal, I know enough about you, and I thought about you all the time, Barbara. You did? We only had those three dates. It was such a long time to be away from each other. You know I went out with other guys, too. We won't have much time to see each other because I'm going back to school in a few weeks, Hal. Oh, that's the best part. I have to finish school, and I decided to go to Cortland, too. I have an interview tomorrow, Barbara. You do? What are you taking, Hal? You know I love history, so I'll probably major in history, Barbara. But how will you get there in time, Hal? I'm going by bus tonight and arrive tomorrow morning, Barbara. Oh, that is a track. I took that night bus and you have to go through Scranton at 2 in the morning. and It's so depressing. How I, I won't mind. I'll just sleep through the whole thing. Don't worry. He turns to Barbara and takes both of her hands. I'm so excited to be at your school, Barbara. Well, I don't know how much time you'll see me. I'm in education and my schedule is probably completely different from yours. Also, I'm a senior this year, and you'll probably be a year or two before me, Hal. I don't care. We'll find time if you want to see me. He looks her in the eyes, and the two look at each other. Barbara, having trouble with speaking. Um, yeah, Um. I guess I want to see you. This is all so fast. I don't know what to think, Hal. All I know is I want to see more of you. I want you to know more about me. I have so much to talk about with you. Barbara, getting more and more flustered. I don't know what to think. Hal puts his arm around Barbara and squeezes her shoulder. I really like you and want to be with you. Do you have a photo I could have of you? Barbara, yes, I'll have to look for it. Hal stands and walks over to the divider that holds knickknacks. Barbara walks over to where Hal is standing. Oh, these are all my mother's stuff. She doesn't like anyone to touch them except me because I have to dust them all. Hal. Hal left. He moves closer and puts his arm around Barbara's waist. I'm going to miss you tonight. And I really want your picture so I can see you, Barbara. Okay, I'll go get it. She doesn't move, though. And Hal moves her closer to him. Hal moves his hands to Barbara's face and leans down and kisses her lips. Barbara allows him to kiss her, and the kiss continues. It is a soft, open-mouth kiss. Barbara almost loses her balance and grabs onto Hal. She is smiling, a giant smile, and bounces into the bedroom to find a photo. Barbara, here's my graduation photo. It's all I have. She hands the photo to Hal. Hal puts the photo in the breast pocket of his jacket. Thank you, touches her arm. Barbara, do you want to take a walk? I don't know what just happened, but I really want to be alone with you. Hal, smiling. It's the old biggie charm. It gets them all the time. He laughs. Barbara, I'm going to tell my parents we're going out. Walks into the bedroom. Mom, we're going to take a little walk. We'll just stay in the neighborhood. Helen, do you like this boy? Sam, Helen, don't you see how she looks? Stop asking questions. She knows what she's doing. Barbara, well, yeah, I think so. Helen, okay, have a good time, honey. Barbara, see you later. Walks back to Helen, takes his hand. We can take a walk around the neighborhood if that's okay with you. How sure anywhere we go is great if you're with me. Barbara smiles and takes his hand. They walk out the exit door to the street. Exterior, sidewalk outside of apartment building in Kew Gardens. There are some trees planted in several locations along the sidewalk. It is evening in late summer. Traffic is light and the sidewalk seems deserted. Barbara and Hal stroll down the sidewalk, barely talking. But they stop, stop at every shot, shadow near the trees and kiss. Barbara, now I don't want you to go just want you to be with me. I want to be with you. How? Yes, but I have to find something to do and going to school is my best option. I'll miss you too. Has his arm around Barbara. Barbara, I don't know what has gotten into me, really. Grabs him when they get to another shadow and kisses him. Um, But I don't care. Whatever it is, I like it. They kiss again. I feel like I'm drunk. Barbara, Barbara, I feel like I'm drunk, but I haven't had anything to drink. What have you done to me? Hal, now I'm really going to miss you. Holds her and kisses her. What time is it? I have to make a bus and get to Port Authority in Manhattan. Barbara, oh, I guess we should go back. Interior Barbara's apartment building. A few minutes afterward, they walk back to the door of the apartment house and to Barbara's apartment. Barbara, mom, we're back. Barbara wipes Hal's face to get off her lipstick. Hal has to go because he's going up to Cortland to register. Helen. Oh, that's good. Good luck in getting there. How are you going, Hal? I'm going by bus tonight and should arrive tomorrow morning, so I have to go now to make the bus, Helen. It was very nice meeting you, though I'm sure we met years ago. My husband is resting now, but he was very happy to meet you, too. Have a good trip, Hal. Thank you, Mrs. Levine, for everything, and I hope to see more of you, Barbara. I'll walk you to the door. She opens the apartment door and walks into the hallway. She puts her arms around his neck. Have a great time, trip. I will miss you. How they kiss. I will definitely miss you and expect to hear from me as soon as you can. I can. Barbara hugs and kisses him passionately, and now I don't want you to go. I don't know what has happened, but whatever it is, I never wanted to stop. Hal moves away slowly, we'll see each other again, anyway I have your picture, bye Barbara, bye have a great trip, she opens her apartment door and goes inside, mom, I can't believe this whole evening, I wonder if Annette is still up, Barbara goes next door to Annette's apartment and rings the bell, Annette, so how was your evening, Barbara, oh my god, it was amazing. So he came to the door and I knew exactly what to do. I hugged him and gave him a kiss on the cheek. Then he and I talked for a few minutes and he asked me for a photo. So what happened? Anita, What ha- Annette, so what happened? Barbara, so then he puts his arms around my waist and then he touches my cheek and finally he kisses me. But this was like no other kiss I've ever had. I mean, it was so amazing. Then I went and got him my graduation photo, not my best, but it was the only one I could find in such a short time. He's going up to Cortland to interview there, and he wanted my picture for the bus ride. Barbara stops and looks at Annette. I think I'm falling in love with him. Annette, are you sure? I mean, there is a physical attraction and there is love. Barbara, no. I mean, did you ever have a kiss where you saw your entire future? This was it, and then I didn't want to keep my hands off of him. We went outside and made out under every tree. Annette, it does sound intense. Barbara, I just wanted to thank you for calming me down and to let you know how great the date went. It's so great he is going up to Cortland to enroll us and we'll see each other all the time, Annette. Well, don't go crazy, you still have to graduate, she laughs, Barbara. I've gone out with a lot of boys, but I've never felt like this. It was like destiny planting its kiss on me. Yawns. Gotta go. I'm exhausted from this day. Hugs Annette. Annette, sure, it's not every day that you meet the love of your life or someone you think will be. She laughs and Barbara laughs too. Barbara, I love you, you know. Good night. Opens door and goes back to her own apartment. Interior of Barbara's apartment next door. Helen. In a nightgown, walking from bedroom. Well, she must have been up. So how was your date, Barbara? I hope you liked him because you're going to see a lot more of him from now on, Helen. I kind of thought so. You two look very happy together. I'm tired and I'm going to go to bed, Barbara. Don't wake me in the morning. I can finally sleep. Walks back to her bedroom in a happy daze and... hello well i guess he left but i'm finished with that and um i guess that is my 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 play my my screenplay the kiss and i will leave you with one more christmas thing that um I think I I have here in my book but maybe not I don't know um anyway that is my my holiday show and I will leave you with one more Christmas poem I'm looking for a Christmas poem and I will think I will look for one um Anyway, I hope everyone has a good Christmas. And I don't know there's nothing and I I know I have another Christmas thing. But um anyway, this has been a good show. Interesting and glad to meet you, Pastor. I know you couldn't stay on the whole time, but glad you came on. And um, there are... I'm looking for a poem for Christmas. And I don't to think, think I have one. Um, it's really, it's really wonderful to think that we were together for all this year. And it's been quite a year. It started out with everyone worrying and, you know, upset. And then we all got our boosters we got our vaccinations and our boosters and just really wonderful that um, where is could it be oh here I have my last story the day a Jewish girl discovered Christmas When I was a little girl growing up in Brooklyn, my family celebrated Hanukkah, and so did all of my Jewish friends in the 50s. Celebrating Hanukkah meant lighting the candles each night on the menorah, eating latkes my mother had made, and spinning the dreidel I got on the first night for a present. Along with the dreidel, I might have gotten chocolate gelts or new mittens in one big package. So each night, There was no inviting tree, no presents in brightly colored paper and bows, and no Christmas cookies. There were only the brightly colored candles filling the menorah and the spinning dreidel. I used to long for Christmas things. I wanted to have my place decorated and a big tree in the middle with colored lights and tinsel and presents underneath in patterned shiny paper with big bows. Don't get me wrong, I like Hanukkah, What child wouldn't love being given a present each night. I liked watching the lighted candles and liked the story behind it of Judah Maccabee, how he and his son saved the temple when the Romans destroyed it and desecrated it. In Sunday school, I learned how the Maccabees cleaned up the temple and found oil to keep the eternal lamp burning, but they thought it would only burn for one day. Instead, it burned for eight days. This was such a miracle, it was decided to have a holiday to celebrate the Festival of Lights or Hanukkah. But I wanted the thrill of seeing that lighted Christmas tree. My friend, Geraldine Potenza, whose father was our superintendent, told me about her Christmas tree so much that my mouth was drooling from needing to see it. So she invited me to her apartment, and when we opened the door, it was instant Christmas. As we walked into the place, the first thing we saw was this beautiful lighted and decorated fresh evergreen that filled the small living room with a pine odor, as if I were in a pine forest. The tree was magical with bubbling lights and small colored ones. Everyone's presents were under the tree, and Christmas music was playing until I went to Disneyland later in my life, I never had such an experience. And for a few minutes as I sat in that pine-scented room, I understood what Christmas was about all about for my friends. That night, when we lit the candles, I celebrated the miracle of Hanukkah and decided that though I didn't believe in the why of Christmas, I did love the joy of it. When I got married, my husband and I decided to get a tree and celebrate Christmas. Though he was Jewish too, his family had a tree every year. So we decorated it and we exchanged presents as well as celebrating Hanukkah. But when I saw the tree actually decorated and in my home, it wasn't the same as that first magical experience. We never had a Christmas tree again. Though when my children came, we did celebrate Christmas with stockings and a big present my daughters and I would put out the milk and cookies for Santa and I'd read the night before Christmas to my youngest daughter. Then in the morning, they would wake to stuff stockings and the present they would ask Santa for underneath the stockings. Of course, the milk and cookies were gone. And so that is almost the end of my Hanukkah Christmas holiday show and... Um, I just want to tell you that even though we had only a few callers, the callers were really interesting. And I am going to follow up with some of them. And our show for January is going to be on January 26th. And I am going to have Tina Sobti. Tina Sobti is a um, a woman who wrote a book. And I am going to be interviewing her. And um, um, maybe I'll have another person on there too. And I'm just really, you know, sad we didn't have more people. I hope that um, people will listen to it in archives because I read a lot of my stuff. <laughs> and I'm gonna say um that if you're interested in Books and Entertainment Network you can go to Patreon and become our patron and sponsor our network. There are lots of cool things on Patreon and you can sponsor a network using Patreon and um you can put in as little as five dollars or as much as a hundred or a hundred and fifty or five hundred. Whatever you would like to do, our network could really use you. So thank you. And I hope that you're having a good Christmas season holiday season. Um, I don't celebrate Kwanzaa, but I have a friend who does, and I'm going to try to learn more about it this year. And um, if you celebrate Hanukkah or Hanukkah, um, there there are so many things about this holiday. And uh, um, I have written an article about Hanukkah. And maybe I have time to read it. I don't know. Maybe see if I can read it. Let me see if I can read it. But, um... It's about Hanukkah. And... I don't know if I can read it or not. Okay. Anyway. Okay, it's called How Hanukkah is Celebrated Around the World. And I'll just read a little bit of it because my puppy is here. Venus is here. It's Dean Van time, and the box you heard in the background were Dean Van time. Come here, sweetheart. Come here. Yes, be on the radio. Yes, say hi. <laughs> He's licking me. <laughs> okay, this is called How Hanukkah is Celebrated Around the World. For me as a child, Hanukkah always meant eight days of presents, eating markers and lighting candles. Also, we received little nets of cold, gold-covered coins called Hanukkah gelt. There was also planning with the dreidels we received as part of our gifts. Each night we got a new present, and they weren't always great. Some were socks or a pencil box, but occasionally there would be the one thing you wanted, My mother made latkes, potato pancakes. We ate them with applesauce. Later, I continued the tradition of giving eight presents to my own children. To make sure it was equal, I put all the presents in a bag, and each child picked one each night after we lit the candles. Seeing the flames or the electric menorah we put in the window brought me back to my childhood. The little wax candles didn't last long, but they were so pretty. What is Hanukkah? You might ask, and I I read this to you. During Hanukkah, people eat fried food a lot, jelly donuts, gulab jamun, which is a milk based ball of dough that's eaten and then dipped that's that's fried and then dipped in sugar syrup, and in, by Indians and. Patacones, fried plantains, or bimuelos and lucamades, fried pastries called chamlias, fried dough strips, and jalabia, batter poured into hot oil in a thin spiral, like a funnel cake. And in North Africa, the juicy debla, which is dough rolled to resemble a rose. That must be pretty diamond-shaped dough dipped in honey. Another fried treat is zingol, goi, which are puffs of dough deep-fried and dipped in sugar or honey. So it's all... Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> it's all fried food dipped in honey or sugar. And so it's really, you know, that way. and Or potato pancakes and it's celebrated all over the world. In London, England, they have a giant menorah in the middle of Trafalgar Square, and um, French people celebrate by going house to house for wine tasting. And in Australia, people hold block parties to celebrate it. Um, And it's really interesting, in, in, in Alsace, Sobelteke menorahs we used so that both a father and a son could light the candles together. And it's just a lot of fun, but um, if you're interested, my my article along with everything else is in Wildfire Magazine, which is coming out, which is out now soon. And it will have everything about Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's and anyway um, Brian's on the phone oh my goodness hello, hello. I know you oh, I know you can't talk much this is Brian Zane no, Clark absolutely. I'll talk for you you I know you couldn't talk yeah
2: yeah, I, uh, my mouth is pretty, uh, pretty numb. So all I can do really we was We only that. have
0: 60 seconds. So, so did you have a holiday story?
2: Yeah, can I read this, uh, this poem really quick?
0: Can you read it in 60 seconds?
2: I I can. Okay, hurry up. Here we, okay, here we go. I confess winter has always gotten for me a hard look because I could never see that every season has its own turn in dark winters. And for summer we all yearn. Summer heat and all its joys bring fun in the sun, voiceless noise. At autumn we give our thanks and peace, birds and swine and of course the roasted beast. Uh, hope springs a turn where love can often start, but from here forward winter is the season of my heart. For well, winter is with you, you and I and our love came to be, and so I hope y'all can clearly see that winter is now the queen of my year. That season brought you to me, the girl I
0: Ta-da! ta Tada! You did it! Congratulations! And <laughs> I'm so glad you got Thank on you the, the show, Brian. You. Did you hear yeah, it? You know I, I really hope you heard so. it. It's done. I, I heard.
2: I heard about half
0: of it. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. I, I, I didn't mean to read my entire screenplay, but I did. <laughs> oh, that was marvelous. Thank you. All this will be I, yeah, probably actually, cut out because yeah,
2: this is after yeah yeah i uh, I actually um uh have been communicating back and forth with Dana for the last uh week or so. Uh, about
0: she told that. me that you and you and he yeah. she were talking together. Yeah, she, that's so nice's been
2: a fabulous help i i i have I have learned so much in the, in the last week that it, from her that it's, it's just uh, you know it's amazing. So, and so, uh, I, I, you know, she gave
0: me such help with my book. I love I've got, I've it. I love when people meet it. each other because of my show. It's so great. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. I really appreciate it. That's really wonderful, quick, uh, Brian. I you, wish we could talk more, but some, I have to, go make, I have to yeah. go make Christmas cookies. Yummy. All right, we'll do that.
2: I'll, I'll, I'll I know. If I
0: knew, I would have. I would send you, but I don't know if I can get it to California in time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's not right. All right, thanks for having All right
0: you take care,
2: right, and I'll good. talk to you on I've Facebook.
0: Followed. Yeah, right. you take care. Thank you so much for calling in. Okay. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye.